Welcome to the PPM Academy podcast for project, program, and portfolio managers, where we will interview industry experts and discuss current and future trends in the world of project, program, and portfolio management, and how what we do impacts our company's execution culture. I'm Gerald Leonard. Okay, today we are speaking with Stuart Easton. He is the CEO of Transparent Choice and is a veteran in the software space. Uh, his background includes stints working on reporting and data analytics. Uh, he's passionate about improving business outcomes for his customers. Stuart lives in the UK and enjoys hiking, mountain biking, and playing with his kids. This recording will be our third discussion around the area of project, program, and portfolio management, and specifically today around uh, AHP analytical hierarchical processing. Uh, so let's get started. We have a lot to chat about, so let's get started. We're going to be talking about strategic alignment. Stuart, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Gerald. Well, you know, the third third conversation, and uh, I'm still struggling to teach you the Queen's English, but we will get there, don't worry. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on that, eh? <laughs> I'm not sure if that's Queen English or, you, or, the, or Canadian. <laughs> All right, so we have a lot to talk about with an important topic, which is strategic alignment. And uh, PMI just put out a lot of really good data about that. Um, do you want to share that with us? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so, yeah, this this data comes from the Pulse of the Profession, uh, which is kind of PMI's benchmark uh, annual report. And um, it, it's about strategic alignment and the impact of that on on project success. Right. And there are different ways of different ways of defining project success. Um, probably the most important one is is about achieving business goals. Okay. And the really interesting thing was that um, projects that are aligned properly aligned with strategy are fifty seven percent more likely to achieve the business goals than projects that aren't. Right. That's a, a huge difference. Right. And, and it turns out that even if you take different sort of metrics for measuring project success, right. it's the strategic impact still has a really, um, uh, sorry, strategic alignment has a really big impact. So, so for example, uh, projects that are aligned are 50% more likely to finish on time. Okay. They're also 45% more likely to finish on budget. So, so somehow there's this sort of magical thing called strategic alignment that seems to have a really big impact on uh, project success rates. And I think most most PMOs kind of miss that. They think that it's something to do with um, appeasing their stakeholders and, and things like that. But and yes, it is to do with that. You know, it's to do with helping your stakeholders achieve their goals. But it's also about you know hardcore project success rates. Right, right. So if if you think of the word strategic alignment uh, and having projects that are strategically aligned, could you go into talk a little bit more about like specifically what is that? Yeah, I mean that's you see this is this is what makes it so difficult, Gerald. Thank you for asking the hard question first. I really appreciate that. <laughs> that's what uh, Brian Tracy says. Eat that frog, right? <laughs> first. Um, all right, let's try and do a bit of riveting then. Um, so, so the so the, the the difficult thing here is that if you ask different people in the organization what strategic alignment means, you, know, okay. you go to the CEO. You go to the CFO, you go to the, the head of, of your different divisions, 
every one of them is going to give you a different answer mm. to the question, okay. what is strategic alignment? Right. And, and fundamentally, that's what makes this so difficult. Um, what, uh, let me tell you what strategic alignment is not. Uh, strategic alignment is not just financial impact. So right. you know, many people drive their portfolio based on I don't know, net present value, return on investment, um, uh, quantified savings from a project, things like that. And generally, those, you know, that, that is not strategic alignment. Right. That's one, it could be one component of strategic alignment. But actually, as an organization, you, you have a blend of things you're trying to achieve. We're trying to penetrate new markets. We're trying to um, uh, increase staff retention. We're trying to attract new customers. We're, you know, th these are all different parts of the strategy, right? So if you think about strategic alignment, it's derived from the word strategy. Right. So it starts with what's the strategy of the business. Okay. Um, and it's about aligning your activity to support that strategy. Right. Right. And it sounds like that a part of that exercise, and we'll get into talking about, okay, how do you do that? But it sounds like if you go that direction of really talking about and getting the organization focused around strategic alignment, that you're not just aligning, quote unquote, the organization, but you're, you're, you're aligning the individuals at the top and throughout the organization that's cascading throughout the organization to kind of focus and go in the same direction. Absolutely. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it continues to, to amaze me how, uh, how poorly aligned organizations typically are. So we, you know, a, a large government-owned, or I'm not going to name them because it, it's kind of embarrassing, but a, a large government-owned um, organization that we, we helped a little while ago, um, when they looked at their portfolio, you know, they, they said that their activity was all aligned. You know, 80% of their projects were tagged as, you know, mission critical, okay. got to have type projects. Right, so so that that's what the executive team said. So right. you'd think that means means str strategic alignment, right? Right. But when we dug into it, we discovered that actually a third of their project portfolio, one third of the portfolio, was obsolete. Hmm. Right. So so this is really interesting. Even within the boardroom, even within the guys who the, the guys and gals who picked the portfolio of projects there clearly wasn't alignment about what was important because a third of the portfolio was obsolete. Now, if you come down a level or two in the organization, that problem just gets worse, right? It, it's, it's not only that they're not talking to each other in the same room, right. but people one or two levels below in the organization aren't even in the room for the conversation. Right. And so it's very difficult for those people without some kind of formalized structure. It's very difficult for those people to align their activities effectively behind the strategic goals of the organization. Right, right. Now you talk about a formalized structure. What should that formalized structure look like? That, that's a good question. So there's there's been research into this over de the decades. You know, okay. if you go to uh, you go to most sort of big engineering or business schools, there'll be somebody in operations research is is often where it sits, um, looking at this issue of how do you align your activities to your strategy, and very specifically. How do you select projects? How do you do project prioritization and selection? And so there was a recent study done by a paper released by um, some researchers at the University of New South Wales that looked at that whole body of research, right? So decades worth of research from that, which 
mechanism, which methods of driving strategic alignment actually work? And they came, they came down to two, just okay. two. Um, one called uh, DEA and one called AHP. Okay. Um, and and within that, they they kind of said, uh, you know, they looked at the two and said, you know, those those are the two that are that are most suitable, and the rest basically aren't suitable. Hmm. Um, and so if you're so if you're in a room and you're doing this on whiteboards, yes, uh, just be really clear. The research says that doesn't work. <laughs> right. Right. Um, if you're in spreadsheets and you're just kind of banging in weighted criteria and doing all kinds of stuff, again, the, the research is pretty clear that doesn't work very well. Okay. Okay. Um, so these two, there's sort of these two methods uh, where I'm, I'm most familiar with AHP. Okay. You know, when we started transparent choice, uh, you know, five, six years ago, we looked at all the methods and we came down, we came to basically the same conclusion the the guys in New South Wales came to that uh, the AHP was probably the, is, is the best one. Um, basically because it's, it's got that academic rigor, but it's also usable, right? It's accessible. Right. Um, and, and it, it all comes down to actually, um, you know, conceptually it's very simple. You collect a bunch of project requests, you define some business goals, which become the criteria that you use to evaluate the project requests. Okay. So that, that seems kind of logical and you can do that in a spreadsheet, but the, the, the key thing is. That bit about strategic alignment where you define what's the strategy and right. where you you need to get everyone onto the same page and how you do that makes a difference and that's where ahp really kicks in um, the process is called the analytic hierarchy process that's what ahp stands for okay um, and it's a very structured way of comparing the different goals and drivers in a team setting so you get you get your, you know your stakeholders involved in this process and it's a way. It's a it's a me method that was designed to reduce the amount of bias in the decisions, decision making bias, um, to overcome problems uh, like bounded rationality, which is basically the fact that you can't hold all the variables in your head at once. Right. Um, so it, it helps overcome things like bounded rationality. It helps overcome uh, sort of damaging group dynamics like groupthink and and things like that. Okay. Um, and uh, you know, and, and again, the, the the thing, the the important thing here is that this is something that is based on research and has been validated through uh, your know, ongoing over decades ongoing academic research. Right. So it really is very very strong and uh, uh, powerful technique. Right. Right. And it also sounds like, based on the um, the rigor that goes into it, that it could help eliminate pet projects through companies where someone wants to just get a project in because they think it's a nice project to do, but it doesn't really align to the strategy as well. Absolutely. Um, you know, a recent customer we had, had uh, they, they had a couple of pet projects in there or a number of pet projects in there that were consuming something like, you know, 20, 25% of their resources. I mean, that's, that's a significant chunk of resources. And over the previous three planning cycles before we got involved, the, you know, basically everyone else in the room apart from the most senior person, tried to kill off those pet projects and failed. And it, it wasn't a lack of data. It wasn't a lack of information. It was, it was a lack of good, solid process to right. get to a decision. So when, when they went through this process with Transparent Choice, um, you know, they got to the end and they could really clearly see you know, value on one dimension and the cost on another dimension. And then, 
you know, there's this nice group of high value for money projects right. on the chart. Right. And then this other group of really poor value for money projects, which were all these pet projects. And uh, so the guy, the guy who actually owned those projects was the sponsor. Instead of defending his projects, he was the one who put his hand up and killed them. Wow. Uh, which is pretty awesome. I mean, yeah. I was very excited to hear that one. Right. And, and of course, that translates into millions of dollars of savings. Right. Right. I'm sure because, you know, a lot of times companies will have either pet projects or what I call uh, wildflower projects where they just kind of pop up all over the organization. You have these projects that pop up and they really are not one tracked and they don't go through any kind of board. And there's no decision criteria in which they're decided. They just kind of come up and they consume resources. But by having some form of a gated process using a you know, using AHP to to filter the projects through, it seems like one you get alignment not only just to the strategy but you get the executive team or everybody on the same page of what the criteria actually even means what's your experience with uh, or with that where you've gone through the process of getting everyone to even agree on the criteria what have you seen that do for organizations well um, it's 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 quite transformational actually um so the the customer i mentioned earlier with the, the pet projects, um, it was really interesting because they took the criteria, you know, they went through this wonderful process and came up with this definition of, you know, what does strategy mean? What, it, what does a valuable project look like for this organization? Mm-hmm. Um, they took that to the mid-level managers in, in the organization and, and it caused a near riot because the, the guys and, you know, the folks in the room were jumping up and down saying, hey, we've never seen this before. We had no idea that you wanted these things from us and so uh what, you know the the way people thought about their roles and i'm talking about people in the middle of the organization right the real engine room of organizations this is where most decisions actually get made right. most operational decisions actually get made in the middle not at the top right um so if you can get those people aligned by by sharing the strategic vision that comes out of this AHP process, mm-hmm. then suddenly all the activity in the, in the powerhouse of the organization is aligned with, with strategy. And that's transformational. So Bain, uh, Bain and co did, did some research into, you know, that, that kind of decision-making empowerment. And when you, when you have a really strong decision-making culture, companies with that, that kind of culture um, uh, are, are uh, six percentage points uh, stronger in, in terms of uh, return to shareholders. So not 6%, but six percentage points on average than their peers. Um, oh, okay. at, uh, I mean, it's a huge impact. Right. And it just, and it just, it all comes from this thing of, you know, strategically aligning your decision-making to the direction that you want to go. Got it. And, Got and, it. It, and it's not hard to see where this comes from. If, if you look at, let, let, you know, probably the most common thing I hear is, Hey, we've got too many projects. Right. Now, right. Yep. When you've got too many projects, what happens? You, your resources get spread out. Right. Um, when they get spread out, everybody's under pressure. You start making mistakes. Then you've got to go and fix your mistakes, which consumes even more resource. And it just, it just, it's horrible. Right. And you have bad multitasking as well. And a lot of people think they can multitask, but they really are wasting a lot of their time. Uh, multitasking is one of the one of the easiest wins for any project organization. Right. Um, just eliminate the multitasking. Right. Um, so, so if you if you if you can sort that problem and, and right size the portfolio and really be very clear about, you know, these are the ten projects that are absolutely top priority. 
these are the 30 projects that are kind of mid-priority. And these ones, do you know what? We'll get to them when we get to them Right. Uh, down at the bottom. If you can do that and be really clear about that, then those top priority uh, projects, they're going to get all the resources they need and they are going to succeed. Right, right. And so, it, so if, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say the one of the things that's critical about that too is when you do that, you're able to get the projects in the door and out of the door and deliver the outcome that you're looking for. And the organization starts receiving the benefit of that project much faster than if you're trying to multitask and the six week project turns into a six month project and it doesn't get done until six months where you could have been receiving the benefits of that effort being done, you know, almost four months ago. And, and, and that's a really important point, actually, Gerald. So, you know, we, we started with a few statistics, right? 57% mm-hmm. more likely to achieve business benefit, uh, 45% more likely to, to land on budget, and 50% more likely to land on time, right? right. These, are, these are statistics that, that most PMOs, you know, they're, they're tracking this stuff. Right. And, and it's part of their scorecard. It's part of how they uh, def, you know, justify the existence of the PMO. But, but this is not about a scorecard, right? If, if, if you imagine you've got a portfolio of, of, of projects that's worth 100 million, just keep the math simple. Right? Mm-hmm. So you've got a portfolio that's 100 million. Um, and let's say that you're, you're somewhere in the middle of um, uh, kind of project uh, overruns, right? So a really top, again, these are PMI stats, right. uh, a really top performing um, uh, delivery organization will have uh, roughly 10% of their projects will, will overrun. Uh, a poor performing one will have uh, 75% of the projects will overrun, right? So let's say you're somewhere in the middle at 50%. So you got a $100 million project uh, portfolio. Okay. $50 million worth of that, those projects are going to overrun. And, and let's say that they only overrun by 20%. Right. In my experience, when projects overrun, they overrun, right? They don't just overrun by 20%. Right. But right. let's 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 just make that assumption. Right. So so your $50 million, we're going to overrun that by 20%. That's $10 million. That's $10 million of waste because your projects are running over. So it's not about your your scorecard, Mr. PMO. I'm really sorry. It's it. This is real money. This is real waste. Right. When you when your project overruns. Right. Plus, if those projects were to bring in revenue, let's say they finish that project and it's supposed to promise an X amount of revenue per month for every month that that project is not delivered on time. That's revenue that that has also been lost. So you have to add that number to the lot to the lost or the waste that's happened as well so it's probably much larger than the 10 million dollars on a 100 million dollar portfolio that absolutely absolutely yeah. right no no you're, you're completely right i mean it's it, it's really interesting because the, there's a you know peter drucker who for, for those of you who don't know him is kind of this uh god in the in the business academic research mm-hmm. community um you know, he, he said that there's nothing quite so useless as doing with great efficiency, something that should not be done at all. Right. And that's at the heart of this whole thing. You know, if, if you focus on the things that you should be doing, the things that are really going to move the organization forward and just stop doing the stuff that isn't, doesn't support your corporate vision, then you're going to be far more successful. It's not about how many projects you deliver. It's about how much business value you deliver. 
And that's about alignment. It's not about activity. It's not about volume. It's about focus. Exactly. Exactly. Well, well, Stuart, what, what trends do you see in the industry when it comes to AHP and some of the things that you, you've been doing with uh, your customers? Well, it's it's really interesting. I was at a, a Gartner summit not not too long ago, uh, a, a sort of PPM summit. Uh, I guess it was about a year ago now, actually. And and they stood up and, and shared some numbers around project success rates and how they'd improved over the last decade and a half, but basically plateaued now. And and so Gartner's Gartner's um, conclusion from that was that to keep improving project success rates, the next thing that you have to focus on is, is the portfolio level management, right? So it's, it's strategic alignment, prioritization, all that kind of good stuff. Right. And, and so there are sort of two camps, historically two camps of tools for helping you do that. One is the invalid camp, right? So this is all these, you know, doing it on a whiteboard, doing it in a spreadsheet, uh, and even the vast majority of PPM tools you know, they might have some really nice charts and everything in the project selection uh, module, but those charts are not based on real decision science. They've just made something up, right? And the research says it just doesn't work, right? So right. You, you might have nice charts, but it doesn't really work. Um, so there's that group, and then the, there's the group of sort of AHP-based, you know, real prioritization tools, and and that that second group historically has been very expensive and very difficult to use. And, and as a consequence, it's only really been adopted um, in the in the mega portfolios. You know, you, you got a you got a five hundred million dollar and up portfolio. Right. People use it. Right. Um, but if you've got a ten million dollar portfolio, uh, in the past, it, it's kind of been out of um, out of reach. And so what I you know what what we're what we've done is is made that much more affordable, much easier to use. Okay. Um, uh, to, to enable that, that technology to come right down the stack. So yeah, I think our smallest customer's portfolio is, is probably less than $100,000. Oh, wow. Um, so, so, you know, we, we scale it right down to, to these, these small portfolios. Um, and then there are other tools coming along that, that sort of pick up from there. And again, at a much lower cost than you've been able to do historically, um, uh, help you take those uh, very focused projects that we that we spit out, you know, that we help you select, right. and turn them into a into a master schedule um, much more quickly. So balancing the resources to uh, sorry, balancing the projects to the resources that you have available, and and doing what if analysis on your resources and all that kind of good stuff. And that technology is becoming much more usable, much more affordable as well. And and I think what that does as as one big trend for the industry is it means that these portfolio management tools, the real ones, not, not the fake ones that, that, you know, where someone's just made up a methodology, but the real decision science-based tools yeah. are now accessible for, for mere mortal PMOs, right? Not just the mega portfolios. Right, right. Which is really, really good news, and that's a great trend because I, I definitely have seen where uh, a, a lot of the um, – um, research organizations are saying that portfolio management is becoming the focus because, you know, with project management, it's really saturated within some of the PMOs and it's about doing projects right, you know, once you get them. But if you're doing the projects right, but you're doing the wrong projects, that doesn't help. And so that portfolio right. management is really, 
or, about, trying to, or trying to do too many projects. Right. That doesn't like doing too many projects at one time, but portfolio management really is about doing the right projects and selecting the right projects, which enhances that strategic alignment and that um, collaboration that needs to happen at the top and in the middle. That's so important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. And, 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 you know, coming back to the, you know, the first kind of customer I spoke about where they, they had a third of the portfolio that was obsolete and, and 80% of the projects tagged as critical. Right. You know, when we finished with them, they had a really nicely ranked list of projects. You know, they knew which ones were important, they knew which were less important. And, you know, just to, to, to sort of finish it off, what that meant for the team on the ground yeah. was that when they had a decision to make, when they had to make a resource allocation decision, they could make it instantly and correctly. Right. They could, they knew which projects needed the support, which ones were valuable and which ones were not. And it wasn't a matter of politics. It wasn't a matter of who shouting the loudest. It's a matter of strategic alignment. Right. And you know, to me, that's what it's about. It's about delivering more, better projects. Excellent. Excellent. Well, Stuart, you know, I have a class that I'm working on right now that I'll be uh, delivering here soon uh, on a platform called Skillshare. And it is about um, AHP. And it, it, the title is going to be um, Making Effective Decisions uh, Using AHP. And it's really going to provide a, a, a simplified framework for how to understand AHP and how to leverage AHP. And there's a class project where students can come on and, and get a, a trial account of Transparent Choice and, and really leverage that uh, platform and kind of kick the tires on it. Uh, where else do you, uh, would you say people could go to learn about uh, AHP? Um, I would certainly, uh, I would certainly go and find your course um, because you know you and I talked about that the other day a little bit, right? Uh, and it sounds like a really nice package um, and, and quite practical, quite hands-on. That's always good. Right. Um, our, our website has a lot of resources. Um, you know, we have tutorials and blogs, very specifically. Um, you know, from, from, the, from the topic of this particular uh, podcast, we have a lot of blogs about the importance of strategic alignment, how that's connected, uh, you know, to draw the connection between alignment and project success. And that material is really useful when you're trying to get people behind the idea of changing the way you do it today, whether right. it's the executives or, or people lower down in the organization. Um, you know, so we, we, we've got ebooks and all kinds of stuff on there that will help you tell the story internally about how uh, improving strategic alignment will, will translate into better, uh, more better projects. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, so today we've been listening to Stuart Easton, the CEO of Transparent Choice. And Stuart, if our listeners want to learn more about you, where should they go? Uh, definitely head over to transparentchoice.com. That's transparent as in a piece of glass and choice as in a decision, uh, .com. And uh, as I say on there, you'll find the blog. Uh, the, we, we have uh, some sort of free uh, resources, free software that you can use. Um, you're not going to be able to do too much useful with it if you have uh, a reasonable size portfolio, but you'll be able to get your hands on it and, and start to learn more about, about how this uh, way of doing things can improve uh, your environment. So I would go and play with that stuff and uh, hands-on is often a really good way to learn. Excellent. Excellent. 
And so that's our that's our talk for today. So if you're looking for more expert insights, please go to principlesofexecution.com and click on podcast. Stuart, thanks so much for talking to us today Thank and look you. forward Thank to you, our Neil. next conversation here in the future. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.